Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Devon, England, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from Wellington, New Zealand, is David Wood. Oh, it's almost smashing my coffee mug on the desk then. <laughs> <laughs> Checking uh, your VU meters. Let me just check. My external disk is writing. I don't know why I'm paranoid now I'm using an external drive. Yeah, I need to double check something actually, because I had a disk space warning a minute ago. Oh, I had one actually when I was... Um, doing the edit last week what does it say system is too busy or overloaded or something oh oh from garage band itself yeah was that when it was actually exporting or no i was just like snipping around and editing and cutting bits on, on your imac yeah okay that's a little odd um yeah i mean for a minute i thought mine might have been because i'm running a usb3 hub off obviously off of just one usb3 port i've got my two hard drives attached to it and i thought oh maybe it's that that's slowed it down um, but yep. I, it turned out I was running out of the GarageBand file that was in my downloads folder on my SSD because I just I just downloaded it as you sent it and just started cracking on and getting on with the edit without I forgot basically to put it on the hard disk. Um, so yeah, hope I don't see that again because that could be one of those annoying things that keeps cropping up. That's the beginning of something, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's right. There'll be there'll, there'll, there'll be a new Mac Pro soon anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, modular based Mac Mini. Prozuma thing. It will come. It will come back eventually. I reckon. But the Mac Mini. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I. I think. Sort of said as much. I think they might actually be blurring the, uh, the line between, the the Mac Mini and the Mac Pro. Really? Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, so you've got the iMac and the iMac Pro, and I kind of wondered, like, the Mini hasn't been updated, in forever you know it's like 2014 it last saw an update and so i wonder okay if they don't want to do the mini anymore and they are doing a modular mac pro is there kind of some sort of middle ground where they could do do a a mac pro type machine that is this new sort of modular small brick or whatever it is they, they, they want to make that effectively replaces the the mini and similar to the imac it has consumer level you know, um, processors and everything else. It doesn't have the sort of server-grade parts. Just in the same chassis, you mean? Similar chassis, yeah. Yeah. I hope they don't, in a way. <laughs> I, I re- no, I, I hope they let the Mac Pro be true to itself in that it's just the most sort of non-consumery Apple product in that, you know, I mean, look how beautifully designed the trash can was, but it was functionally yeah. not right, was it? Well, it's kind of right for one generation of hardware, but then when the hardware evolved it couldn't evolve with it it was Uh, obsolete in less than the generation as well because of the graphics cards i think that that sort of killed it before the cpus were were out of date really yeah yeah and you know i'd be perfectly happy if i say perfectly happy i'll probably still come on here and moan about it but I'd, i'd be reasonably happy if um at wwdc or whenever they announce this stuff they just were like hey remember that cheese grater it's coming back and kind of like put a yeah. picture of it up on the, on the screen and it kind of shimmers and changes slightly from what it was but hardly at all and they're just going to stuff it full of really fast components so i'd be i'd be fine with that yeah yeah i don't think that's what they they will do but I, I think i would be reasonably happy with that too yeah i think this is the one place where they they don't have to be like oh can we make it really really thin like the imac i mean the imac looks when they remember when they made the imac from thick to thin and yep. they, they put up at the photo of it and you could only just see the very like few millimeters of the edge of it and the kind yep. of the, the 
the back of it, which has got that bulge, was completely hidden. I was like, wow, that iMac is so thin. And then I started thinking, well, it doesn't matter if it's thin. This is the one product where it doesn't matter at all because when you look at it, you're kind of face on. So you don't see how thick it is anyway. Uh, yeah. And it just all seemed a little yeah. bit pointless. And I wonder whether the Mac Pro, you know, it's kind of... Similar sort of thing. It goes under your desk, it's out of the way or... Yeah, and, and it's all about function at this point. Because if you wanted something like really pretty and you know, consumer-y uh, Apple design, just get the iMac Pro. That's kind of what that... that that's already exists. That box is ticked. Like now the Mac Pro can just go off in this really random direction, which will probably make most people angry. But that's fine because it's not for most people. That's kind, yeah. of, I think, that's kind of like the, the beauty of the project, I think, is that like the normal rules no longer need to apply. No, I'm with I'm with you there. I am with you there. Um, I, I, I kind of, yeah, I really look forward to sort of seeing something, hopefully that is, is either just an absolute return to what they used to have, you know, and it gives all of that sort of flexibility back um, that we had with the cheese graters, or like you say, something that goes off completely in its own sort of direction that's that's new and not beholden to the other sort of categories. I, I think what I was was thinking of sort of by suggesting like um, an upgrade to the Mac Mini that was kind of the entry level to, for the Mac Pro. I think where I was going with that was really more that that would give that would give a base device that would be um, a way of kind of competing with Hackintoshes and sort of giving a, um, a a bit of a nod to that market because you'd have this machine that, okay, the processor-wise, um, I would imagine that it's a sort of similar kind of deal to, to any other Mac, really. You're not going to try and upgrade the processor over time, but it would have the slots for you to upgrade the graphics card. I would assume, you know, that there would be an upgrade path for, for the graphics card that's in it. And hopefully you're able to sort of fiddle with RAM and disks, but it wouldn't be making the same promise as the Mac Pro as a whole, like the sort of Pro Pro machine, uh, because it wouldn't be having uh, massive uh, CPUs with, with, with loads and loads of cores. It would just be sort of, you know, the basic kind of um, quad core or whatever. Like an i5 or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so essentially, it would be like the iMac without the screen, and with the ability to to plug um, a new graphics card and, and different drives in. Yeah. At, at that point, this this sort of hypothetical machine would then not be a Mac Mini in the same way as the Mac Mini is today at all, but they could charge more for it, and that would make it so like a Mac Pro yeah. Lite. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but uh, with a price tag that's probably not going to end up too far off your sort of um, base model um, 27-inch iMac, I would imagine. You know, you're still going to be talking at sort of the 1500 kind of mark. Yeah, uh, so you're no longer really no longer talking about an entry-level machine as the Mini is today, but I, I just get this feeling like they want to get rid of the Mini anyway. You know, the, the iMac is kind of your entry-level there. Um, with the, the sort of smaller ones, the the twenty one inch IMAX and the the four K. Yeah, and then, but on the other hand, if they're talking about like on Tuesday, I mean, by the time this comes out, Tuesday the education event would have been and gone. But um, if they're talking about potentially making like an eight nine nine or nine 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 MacBook, could you not just kind of rip the screen off of that and put it in like a really small box <laughs> and call and call that the Mac Mini? Yeah, I guess you could. You could, and and, and that that is essentially. Um, the existing sort of base model, isn't it? That's that's what they did with the the one point four gigahertz Mac Mini. Honestly, I don't, I don't, I've never really followed it at all. 
Um, when they first came out, I thought they looked quite interesting. Yeah, we, we've had a few. I mean, I borrowed one for a period of time. Um, I was doing some work with somebody, and we were working on his Mac Mini at his place, and I was going to do some work sort of in, in the, the week that followed. Um, and he was just kind of like, I'll just, just take the Mac Mini. And he just gave me the Mac Mini for the week, which is quite cool. Um, yeah. It was uh, kind of like the one with the like the white plastic top on it. Oh, okay, yeah. Like before it went like a looked like a block of aluminium. So one of the, probably a, a Core 2 Duo? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's quite quite an odd one. There was yeah. something nice about it. It's like quite a cool little little machine. And um, a lot of people commented on it. Like I just had it in the house um, during that week. And just quite a few people, like members of the family, um, just friends, passers-by that would sort of pop in. They were like, oh, what's that? And I'd explain it to them. And like, oh, that's a really cool computer. There, there was definitely like a... People warm to it very, very quickly. So it does make me it does make me feel maybe it should be more of a thing. But then maybe we're in a different world now than we were seven, eight years ago yeah. when that happened. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I do I do wonder, you know, how much market there really is in, in kind of desktop computing that is proper computers, sort of as we remember them, as I remember them anyway. Like with upgradable parts and everything else. I know that there, there is the market there for sort of proper gaming machines. And I know there's the market there for the very pro level, but I think where the mini is playing at the moment and, and is perhaps perhaps that's a market that just really isn't there at all anymore. You know, people get laptops or they get tablets if you're sort of in that end of the market. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine in the week and he's always been a PC gamer, like a big, big PC gamer. I said, oh yeah, so like, what, what's what's in your PC box these days? What what specs are you using? Because sometimes I feel completely out of touch of it. Like there was a time where I could tell you every single Intel i7 chip that was available and talk about them in depth. But now I just, it's almost like Apple has just kind of taken that stuff away from me in a way. Um, I'll look at it once every three years or four or five years whenever a new iMac comes out. But in in the in the five years that follows, I'm completely clueless. Um, and he said actually that I haven't really upgraded my PC in five years just because I haven't needed to because no games have really come out in particular that push the hardware like it used to. It used to be, um, I remember last time I was kind of into PC gaming and all that kind of stuff. Uh, What's it called? Crisis? Do you remember Crisis coming out? Yes. Yeah, I do. And that was like, whoa, the graphics are seriously good. And like, it was almost like a, a personal challenge to build a PC that could run it at 30 frames a second at sort of 1920 by 1200 res. Yeah, it was used um, as a benchmark for quite a while. It, it kind of says something, that doesn't it? That like a PC gamer in five years has just been like, well, it's probably not a lot of point because mostly, for the most part, all I get is kind of console ports anyway. Yes, um, and that's kind of where the you imagine if you were like EA or who, whoever making a game, it's like, yeah, should we start with the PC and then port to the PS4, or shall we start with the PS4 and the Xbox, where all the kind of money is and all the people and make the next yep. Call of Duty 15 or whatever we're making now, and then port it to the PC for the few PC gamers that want to play it afterwards. Yeah, that, that market has changed quite a lot, I think, over the last sort of five or six years, really. Yeah, it just kind of both made us sad, really. It's like we kind of yearned for the good old days where we'd be you know, building PCs and playing Unreal Tournament and you know all the kind of classics of the day. And now it's like, and Half-Life 2, when that came out on the PC, it's like, wow, this is amazing. This is why, this is why PC gaming is so much better, because you know, look at Half-Life 2. I'm sure yep. it came to the consoles afterwards and stuff, but I, I knew so many people at the time who 
bought new graphics cards and upgraded their machines just to play Half-Life 2. I was one of them. And Doom 3. Doom yeah. 3 and Half-Life 2, they were like, that was kind of like the sands are shifting now. Like we need to move up to the next level of hardware. Like all the older stuff, all older games you could mostly run on whatever kit you had at the time. But yeah, that was definitely like a moment when Doom 3 and Half-Life 2 came out. That, that was like, okay, now is the time to upgrade. Yeah, I, I wonder whether PC gaming will really ever sort of have that kind of moment again. I think, like, you know, potentially the the type of market that existed around PC gaming at that time, again, is, is sort of kind of gone now in a lot of ways. I'm sure there's like a load of PC gamers who would argue otherwise with me. But as you were saying, you know, get, the games companies are, are making for the consoles first and then porting across in a lot of cases with the blockbuster games. It just sort of makes me wonder, you know. We, I guess we we might not see it the same in that that way again, unless unless Valve actually turn around to do Half Life Three. Yeah, see that would that would give me pause. That would yep. If they said we're doing it PC only or PC exclusive for like two years or whatever, and we're going to push the PC as far as we can possibly push it, and then we'll roll it back for whatever consoles are out, I'd be like, ooh, okay, I need to do something <laughs> pretty sharpish. Yeah. Um, yeah, same. I, I could see myself building some sort of machine or, or trying to figure out what I could do Mac-wise to get a machine that could play it, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it, even like when the Xbox 360 was out, um, when I got one, it kind of I had this kind of light bulb moment where I was like, I've got a whole console here that includes a GPU, a CPU, RAM, a power supply, optical drive. They even bundle a yep. couple of controllers. I think I got like four games of it. And I was inside of 300 and something pounds. Yep. So I could barely get a GPU for that for my PC at the time. No, and then when the games are, you know, not not as good a quality as you would have got for that, but getting pretty close or close enough that you don't really feel like you're losing out. Yeah. Once you put it on like a 720p at the time TV and you're sitting 15 foot away on the sofa, it's, it's kind of like you're not sat 30 centimeters away from the screen obsessing over every leaf texture that you can see um, yeah i found i would always accept poor fro- frame rates and poor graphics on a on a console really easily i'd be like oh it's fine it's just a console just be in the console whereas if my pc dropped a frame i would be like what's happened what's gone wrong i've got yes. this pc it should be perfect <laughs> i'd almost take offense personal offense that, the, that a frame was dropped like i had almost done something wrong that caused it by setting my pc up in the wrong way <laughs> i mean now with like the whole uh, Bitcoin thing going on. It seems that graphics cards have suddenly got way more expensive. Um, I was looking the other day, just out of interest, and I think the latest Nvidia thing. You, I mean, they got to like nine hundred pounds now. Yeah, uh, was it yeah, the, the, really the ten eighty Ti or something? It used to be that if you started kicking around a three sixty three hundred and eighty pound mark, you were kind of pretty much at the top end. You could sometimes yeah. push into the four hundred and something if. Uh, like a certain manufacturer made a special edition of a card and overclocked it or something out of the factory. Yeah, it's definitely a different world now. It is. Um, hopefully, sort of bringing this back around to, to the Apple end of stuff, hopefully we'll see a machine that at least lets us pluck some of these graphics cards in. Yeah, that's what I'd love to see from the Mac Pro, just if NVIDIA come out with the 2080 Ti as their next version of the 1080 Ti, say, um, yeah. you can just pop that straight into a Mac Pro. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good solution right there. Um, do you reckon we'll see it at Dub Dub? I I hope so. I really do. Um, I it's hard to say whether we will or not. Uh, there's not been any rumblings for quite a while now, but I think we're 
we're still early in the days of the rumor mill for for dub dub really i think as well so hopefully maybe we'll see a leak of something over the next month yeah i mean i hope we don't see any leak um i'm kind of a bit talking about the good old days of pc gaming i kind of yearn for the good old days of mac events and or apple events rather where you would just not really know an awful lot and there was genuine surprise i mean i mean look at the iphone 10 event we had in september pretty much knew everything i mean i was just sitting through it being like yep i know that yep i know that even when they showed the yep. phone it was like yeah i knew it was gonna look like that and i was like why am i sat here watching this <laughs> it's like it was like you're, you're ticking off the the roundup on yeah. Mac rumors and just kind of going down the list yeah i mean it's nice when yeah. certain bits would leak or like genuine rumors would leak that were rumors and not pretty much facts um or questionable facts but pretty much you could take a good guess that they're going to come true um, like just rumours that led us to speculate and come up with cool ideas and then the events had a an aura of excitement around them um, so yeah I hope they can keep keep the Mac Pro on, under their hats for until the last minute really almost like the trash can because yeah. that was a bit of a shock I don't remember seeing much about the trash can before Dub Dub in 13 or whenever it was no I don't I, I do remember I mean you know for all of how I can deride where the trash can ended up when it first came out I was like whoa that's come out of nowhere you know yeah <laughs> really wasn't expecting that 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 redesign after because I, I wanted a cheese grater at the time you know that that was was my aspiration to sort of have this whopping great mac pro sat under my desk at home um and then for quite a while i did actually want one of the trash cans too just just because really it looked really sleek really cool yeah i mean i, I considered it but then like the, the cost of the trash can was pretty much the cost of the 5K iMac, and I still needed to get the screen as well. And, and it couldn't had... do a 5K resolution either. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I think maybe with the whole Mac Pro, maybe it's a smaller team working on it. Uh, maybe the, the world at large doesn't really care as much as they care about the new camera module on the new iPhone, which is more likely to leak in the coming months. Yeah. So maybe maybe we might, as sort of Mac Pro fans, we might get that kind of feeling back where we don't know an awful lot and we go into an event and we get genuine surprise out of it i hope i hope that would be that'd be incredible if that happens yeah hoping for for one more thing looking at flights actually to wwdc because i've all in my head i've always kind of written it off as you know it's going to be way too much money and all that kind of stuff so i don't really consider going although one year i, w- I would like to go um but i was looking at norwegian airlines and yep. you can get a flight from Gatwick Airport in London to Oakland, which I know isn't San Jose, but it's only like 40 miles away, um, for £494 return. Oh, wow. And that's flying out on the Friday before WWDC and flying home on the Sunday after. Um, I thought that's pretty good. That's direct yeah, as well. That's, that's like non-stop. Not a bad deal at all. It really isn't. Um, I mean, I suppose you'd have to get an Uber or, or a Lyft or well. whatever. Or have to figure something out, yeah. Figure something out when you get there and back. So you got like a forty mile car trip to or a subway or whatever. Uh plus hotels, plus spending money. So I suppose you're probably looking at two or three K all in. And yeah, that's, that's that's before you buy the WWDC ticket as well. Um, I'm kinda of, I'm kind of working that out on the basis of going to like Altconf or something. Yeah. Um but yeah, I guess hotels are gonna be like what, a couple hundred a night? At least, yeah. Yeah, I, I suspect you, you're looking more like um, sort of 350, 400. What, a night? Uh, yeah, depending on whether whether you sort of booked way in advance or not. 
Yeah, I mean, there were yeah. a few uh, motels by the airport in San Jose that would do it at 69 bucks a night. Ooh. I'm guessing the airport is nowhere near where you need to be. It's probably not the most yeah, desirable no, I, area of town. I would suspect that those prices will creep up as well during that week. Yeah, it's probably not practical either, is it, to stay out by the airport every day and get in and out? I, I don't know. I don't know the area, but... Uh, yeah, but I, I mean... I do like planes, though, so... <laughs> yeah, you were having a look and you were clearly sort of thinking, well, what if? Would I would I be able to go, want to go? Yeah, I mean, this um, year is probably not... It's obviously out of the question this year with just the way family is and stuff at the minute. Um, but maybe in a year or two, I'd like to maybe think it could potentially be an option. But then, but then that kind of got me thinking about the value of WWDC. Yeah. Because even if you don't actually go to the conference, you're probably looking at two or three thousand all in with flights, spending money, food, ticket, uh, not ticket, but hotels, everything. That is, that's a lot of money. That's um, that's a tricked out MacBook Pro or a new 5K iMac or potentially part of a new Mac Pro. <laughs> yeah. So you need to put it into perspective, I think, um, and consider what value going would actually give you versus the value you can get from WWDC um, from all the way here in England where I am and wherever you may be. Um, yeah. So I think from a distance, the value's pretty big without even having it to is. go. We've, I mean, you know, I, I plan on watching the uh, the sessions and stuff uh, as soon as I can, sort of in that week. That That's probably going to be my, my lunch hours during during that week, just sort of getting into the, the content that they're putting out almost as soon as it's happened you know it's within the day isn't it that a lot of the sessions go up and i think some of them are live aren't they now i don't know um really i think some of them might be yeah and there's that's probably going to become more so over time as well i would imagine but yeah i was thinking about it like i get to watch the keynote live in the comfort of my own home usually with a cold beer on my sofa which is kind of like a little nice little treat thing um i get to watch the i sort of stay up late and watch the state of the union um Heather always gives me a strange look as to be it's like like what what are you doing again? Like, oh well I'm watching this yeah. uh, thing about the technology stack of Apple um and it's <laughs> happening live in San Jose. And she's like, Right, okay, I'm going to bed. See you tomorrow. And <laughs> that's, the, that's the end of that. Yep. Um Yep, camera light. Um I'll I'll be up at um a hideously early time from here in New Zealand to sort of do things from the other the, the other, other side of the clock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But then, like you say, you get to watch all the sessions, maybe not all of them live, but pretty close to it. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of a huge amount of value that Apple give for free. Um, so, thanks, Apple. So then I, I kind of thought about it from the, the point of view of what I miss by not going. And I suppose the biggest one that comes to mind is uh, the labs that you hear being talked about. Yes. Uh, where you get to sort of go and talk with Apple engineers about your code um, and you know, discuss other things, I suppose. It's hard to know, isn't it, whether that's worth two or three thousand dollars? Because until you go and do it and experience it, it's it's hard to say yes, it is, no, it isn't. And yeah, I guess a lot of it you get out what you put in, and there's a lot of variables being thrown around there. And uh, whether or not you actually get sort of FaceTime with the people that you really want to speak to as well, I don't know whether that is, is anything you could come close to guaranteeing, given the volume of other developers who are there. Yeah, and I don't, sounds a bit weird, but I don't know what I would say to them if I was to, if I found myself like right now in a lab with some Apple developers, I'd be like, well, well why, I, I, don't, I don't really know what I want to say to you guys right now. Um, it's good to see yeah. you, but I don't really have any questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd have a bit of a laundry list around um, stuff like AV Foundation and some of the frameworks 
in in that sort of direction sort of going back to my my go vj video mixing app uh which is my my own app and own endeavor um but i'm not sure i would have those sort of questions for sort of the more general frameworks you know which is sort of more where my my day-to-day job is these days then do you think the documentation more or less covers most of the queries or do you feel you need to kind of step it up and talk to a human that's actually on the team and i don't think i've found anything recently that would really sort of qualify in in that category and i think quite often sort of i find you know i've found one or two things that are a bit glitchy or a bit buggy i found something the other day that the simulator doesn't do but the device does uh, which was was a bit awkward that was to do with uh custom bar button items and using custom views um I've, I've got a particular one that i was trying to set up that that doesn't display in the simulator and i was going mad sort of wondering where this thing was and lo and behold when i tested on my device the bar button was there displaying pretty much as i needed it to so i need to test on a few other devices and see whether that was you know any other sort of error but I find these these sort of little oddities and things which I can file a radar for and don't necessarily hold me up from getting work done. You know, that was like, okay, I've spent a bit longer staring at the simulator and sort of pulling my hair out for maybe half hour or so before I sort of realised what was going on. But life goes on and it's not something I need to go all the way halfway across the world to, <laughs> to speak to a human being to deal with, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a fair <laughs> point. Yeah, so in that case, that would be an argument for um, for just making filing a radar easier. Yeah, you know, I, I suppose the biggest thing is kind of the networking and meeting people, um, like fellow developers, members of the press, um, etc. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to put a, do- a dollar value on that, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's because like you say, on one hand, you can get all the materials by staying home, but on the other hand, you get to meet new people, uh, you get to meet Apple engineers, which could be priceless, you just don't know. Um you don't know how something could go until you just kind of go out and do it. Um, you, you could make a new friend who someday you might start a new project on, for example. Um, yes. I mean, staying home basically guarantees that won't happen for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Absolutely. It's, you kind of just got to yeah. put yourself out there maybe and, and be like, yeah, okay, so it's going to cost me some money. But it's like if I just stay at home, definitely nothing will happen in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. So I think that's a sort of... To my mind, I think at some point I will be justifying that cost, you know, one way or the other, just just to have had the experience at least once in my life kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's worth saying that neither of us have ever been. Um, probably yes. the listeners have already gathered that, but <laughs> <laughs> just for the record, we've not, neither of us have been. Um, I think there could be some value to us as well of um, of planning a trip at the same time, and that then lets us meet in the middle now that I'm no longer in the UK. Yeah. So that would be quite cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, even if like, we could take this podcast to WWDC in some fashion, that would be um, a good reason to do it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah not, not, sure we'd, not sure we'd both get on with a live show, but <laughs> <laughs> probably just, like, crumble on stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine here from the uh, safety of a microphone. <laughs> All I'm looking at is, a, is an iMac and, like, not hundreds of people. I'd, I'd be up for giving it a try, though. Yeah. If we had the opportunity, I think that would be, be fantastic. No, absolutely. Um, and that kind of leads on to like yeah, another reason for going is like all the stuff that happens around WWDC. You kind of got all the events that happen like in the evenings and and 
the alternative conferences like well altconf and then there's layers isn't there um yeah you kind of got like the uh like the live talk shows and live podcasts i think it's a live atp this year and relay fm are doing live shows um so at that point it, then in my head it starts to feel almost more like a personal trip something like i would just choose to do for fun almost like a holiday um yeah like a, a development related kind of mini festival getaway i guess yeah i mean it's certainly not what like my wife would consider to be a holiday i can assure you of that but it's something that i would it would start bordering on like leisure time for me um rather than some kind of like work related conference if that makes sense yes Um, so i find it hard to reconcile like is this a personal trip that i'm doing to scratch an itch to kind of be a part of something that i've always kind of admired from a distance from a long time and then I get to kind of maybe, you know, meet a lot of people that I see around on Twitter every day. And that's, there's something quite cool about that as well. Um, yep. You know, you kind of see like the little uh, avatars scroll by on Twitter every day. and you. But, you know, these are people that you, you maybe talk to on a daily basis that you've never met. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to reconcile kind of like the actual business value versus the personal value versus just kind of wanting to do it for the fun. Um <laughs> Which leads me to think that all in all, yeah, one one year I should go. Um, again, not not this year, obviously. With um, having Charlie around being so young, it's probably not the best time from a sort of family logistics point of view to do it. Um, but yeah, one year definitely. Yeah, I think we should uh, we should make a plan to meet in the middle at some point. <laughs> San Francisco is <laughs> like the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we'll call that a wrap if you've enjoyed today's show it'd be great if you could leave us a review on itunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in overcast by hitting that star button that will help us reach even more like-minded people um, also we have our slack channel we'd love to invite you to join our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out if you'd like to join uh, just leave us a message on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so dave before we run off where can people find you you can find me on Twitter at DW Roboheads. That's Roboheads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at Roboheads.com. Again, that's Roboheads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? Yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com, my latest app to help kids learn to read. You can find at spacereaders.com. And on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave Knott. 